Welcome to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from the legendary hills of Brown, where the plum purple haze, the one nature herself drapes over the hills and hollers, inspires local characters, artists, and nature lovers. It's as though the hills themselves conspire to create a beauty and culture in the heart of Indiana. Sit for a spell and hear the music. Tall tales. True stories. And current goings on. Brought to you by folks who still know how to sit by a fire in winter. And swim buck naked in summer. Welcome to episode 144 of the Brown County Hour. This is Dave Seastrom. And Sarah Lytle, along with the rest of the crew. This month, our musical guest is Gene Fugate, and we'll feature our interview with him and hear three original songs he recorded in our studio. We have interviews with the new director of the Brown County Community Foundation, Alice Seuss-Michael, Bob McCutcheon from the Playhouse, Christina Volani from the Brown County Convention and Visitors Bureau, and local blacksmiths Andrew Huddleston and Jim Connors. We also have essays from Jim Eagleman and Dave Seastrom. We begin segment one with our Gene Fugate interview. Alice Seuss-Michael, the new director for the Brown County Community Foundation, shares some information about the next grant cycle and we'll close with a Gene Fugate song, Dream of You. Hello, this is Rick Fetting, and we're here tonight with Gene Fugate. And he's sort of a new acquaintance of mine. He's one of our regulars at the Brown County in Open Mic. And I think you've just moved to town here, and you do a bunch of work. you got a great big truck out there, I think. So <laughs> you said you had tools, so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I just moved down here officially, got in here around March. I've been vacationing and drawn to Brown uh, County since about 2006. At that point, I just I decided... It was the opportunity time when the housing market way it was to come down and uh, move the business down here. Actually, what I do is is furniture refinishing, custom furniture building, and, oh, wow. and yeah. antique restoration, that kind of thing. So yeah. home special home decor, Any, anything to do with refinishing or furniture. Might be getting to be kind of a lost art or a specialty or something. I'd actually had picked up with a, a gentleman up home up in, in northern Indiana when I first started. He actually had taught me a lot of the, the trade. Mm-hmm. And I, the reason I wanted to learn from him is he'd been at this 40-some years and he was a true craftsman. Oh, yeah. And I told him I wanted to learn from him because it's something I want. I don't want to die off. I want not to be stopped with him I want, or, or myself. I want to see it continue on, on down the generations ago. And, right. Yeah, my parents did a lot of that, my mom. But – Tell us about your music and when, how you got into it, what prompted you. And Well, I've actually, as far as music, I've always been around it. I've got a lot of family, aunts, uncles, cousins, you know, and everyone that was our uh, 
our family get together was revolved around music. Really um, good. I, I remember getting together and everybody couldn't wait to get dinner done so we can move the ta- kick the table and chairs out of the way and put the chairs in a circle and start picking guitars and singing. That goes back farther than I can remember. Yeah, I'd, probably holidays. You really cranked it on. Well, <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I'd, I'd actually had a guitar in my hand from the time I could almost walk. So really? and I'm, I started actually trying to play. Oddly enough, about the age of four or five, I started started picking out, and, and that was just from watching them. I didn't officially take any lessons till I was probably well into my you know ten preteen, ten eleven year old age at that point. That's when I started started taking a little more seriously. Well, you're yeah, you are taking it more seriously. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to ask you. Where, what are your endeavors? You play a few things around town, other than the open mic, I believe. Yeah, I've actually I've I play obviously the open mics as much as I can. Just just trying to get get the name out there. Since I am new to the area, obviously I want to, you know, branch out and get get my name out there. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like with any business, you want to get your brand out. Yeah. But I've actually picked up some some resident gigs here, one of them being the 19th hole. So we'll be playing there once a month next year. And oh, cool. I'll be playing the local winery at Country Heritage a couple, every other couple months or so. And yeah. So and all kinds of stuff going on. I'm still actually actively playing with a uh, full five-piece band up in uh, northern Indiana around Fort Wayne, Warsaw area. Oh, really? So I'm playing the with them on the weekends, I'm not down here. I spend most of my time so, driving. That's pretty far drive. <laughs> it up is. There, yeah. Believe it or not, you can kind of get used to anything. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I've heard people say that I drive a half an hour to 45 minutes to work every day and it drags. Well, eventually that drive becomes almost automatic. Automatic. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of where this has become after last year. But yeah. my hope is now to eventually transition everything down to this direction here. Right. Well, I believe you mentioned you had some equipment at home, some recording. and Yeah, you, I've, I've you actually. Got, I don't know how many guitars. And, <laughs> <you know. laughs> Probably more guitars than I should have, but, you know, that's, that's kind of negative too. But I guess everybody can never get too many of those. You no, know, I do have some, some, some small recording, recording equipment at home where I've been able to demo some of my songs. Back in May, I was actually able to finalize around five or six recordings of those and was able to release them through digital streaming. So you can find those mm-hmm. through through iTunes and Spotify and all the other stuff out there. So then you wrote these songs too that we did That's correct, us. right. Yeah. I've been actually started off writing gospel tunes when I was about 13. Oh, really? So, I, so we started traveling when I was about 13 every summer with, with church groups and, and traveling. And wow. uh, eventually it led into you know, playing in, in country bands and country bars and eventually started writing you know, stuff to that format. So, yeah. So you know your way around the neck of the guitar, right? You can do a little bit, a little yeah. bit, yeah. some leads and yeah. some mostly um, rhythms. And- pri- primarily, every band I've been in, I've been a, so the last exception, the last couple has actually been lead guitar and backup harmony and lead vocals. So, oh, wow. so I've been, I've pl- been playing lead guitar for, off and on since 13, 14 years old. So, yeah. Did you study or just pick it up? I've studied some. I've actually had the opportunity to play with a lot of amazing musicians over the years that were mentors, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And then I actually had the opportunity to, back in 2000, move to Nashville, Tennessee. And at that point, it really developed. I had a chance to work with a lot of of great guys. One of them was that his actual name was um, Jerry Reed. Mm-hmm. His he's actually not the Jerry Reed, not Mr. Funny Man, but Mr. Uh, Jerry Reed, who's actually the uh, um, guitar player for George Jones, the Jones okay. Boys. And so I had the opportunity to do some some jam sessions yeah. and stuff with him and different well, there's some experience. Right? Yes, and I was actually 
I'd been playing my whole life and I walked up on that stage the first time and I was scared to death and <laughs> he hands me his guitar and said, here, play, play, play some with the boys, you know, and I'm looking up there, they got like steel players played with like, you know, Johnny Paycheck and Connie Smith and the drummer was from the Grand Ole Operating Band. And, yeah. and I walked up there just this young kid from Indiana, scared to death. And I walked up there and played about a song and the guy walks up and he says, I thought he was going to cut me off after one song. I said, okay, that's it. I'm going back to Indiana. I'm going back, you know, I'm going back home. He was like, no, no. He said, I've got an extra guitar, so I'm going I'm to play with you. Oh, really? So that that felt pretty good. Right. So I had lots of cool experiences like that when I was down there. That just, opened up that door, didn't it? It did. It, it 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 led to less less intimidation by oh, playing, yeah. with, uh-huh. playing with the folks that actually took me into that fold. So Yeah, there's different levels of entertainment, there, aren't there? There de- definitely is. Yeah. Well, how can people get a hold of you and what and listen to your stuff? You mentioned that. Yeah, you you can actually uh, find me on, of course, on online uh, through Facebook, Gene Fugate Music. Um, it's M U Z I K, so it had to be different. And then, of course, my website is genefugatemusic.com. You can go on there and it has links to my through your Spotify's and Facebook and all that stuff on there as Good. well. So, all right. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you and. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks and for we hope me. to see more of you around town and I'm open sure mic so. and maybe back in here one of these days. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Gene. There stood a suitcase in hand, one foot out, the edge still in. She said, please don't go. I said, I don't want to leave, but your heart, my heart, that I wore on my sleeve. I'm Pam Rader, and I'm here with the new CEO of our Brown County Community Foundation, Alice Seuss-Michael. We've interviewed several of your predecessors. We enjoy interviewing it. And I want to tell you, our show wouldn't even exist except it started out with a grant from the foundation. So, Welcome tonight. Well, thank you, and it's a pleasure to be here. So as you said, my name is Alice Suze Michael, and I really have had Brown County as part of my life since I was small. My family had some property on Salmoron Road growing up in the 70s, so that was a lot of fun as a little one. And then when our boys were middle school, high school, we had a place that Lake Lemon on Point Eidolon, uh, which was really kind of their favorite place on earth, I think is the way one of them described it. And uh, just a great place to create some memories while the boys were growing up. And then a few years ago, we decided that we would make Brown County our permanent residence instead of being weekend residents. And we built a home in Pine Tree Hills. So we've been here just over a year and I've been at the foundation a little over six months. Wow, that's great to move and then land a primo job. (laughs) Wonderful, yes. Well, I've also served on the board, so I know how hard that board works. And we are so grateful to have the foundation. The grant cycle's coming up, isn't it? Absolutely, it certainly is, yeah. The grant cycle is ongoing, so competitive grant applications can be submitted. We encourage folks to submit those grant applications up through March 8th, and then our grants committee gets to work. And I would say, Pam, you are spot on. I have literally been blown away by the amount of work our volunteer board of trustees and committee members put in. 
It is amazing. I've been involved with several nonprofits and boards over the years. Most of my work was in corporate America. I retired from Lilly in 2018 after 28 years there. So I am really enjoying the nonprofit universe and, you know, just the dedication of the folks that work in it is truly amazing. And what the foundation is able to give back to this community is pretty amazing. And speaking of which, we got a big windfall from the Music Center. We like certainly what, did. How much did the foundation get? Yeah, we, we are just thrilled. Can't, can't put it any other way uh, to be the steward of a portion of that gift. I like to say that the $267,000 that was given by Brown County Music Center through their foresight to think ahead, to give back to the community, and then to be able to do this seven, eight years earlier than they even planned is pretty amazing. There's even been a lot of startup that weren't quite 501c3s that were allowed to have pass-through accounts through the foundation and helped. Certainly. Mm -hmm. Yes, we're able to do that if an organization's kind of on its way uh, to getting that 501c3 charitable organization distinction. We're able to typically work with them in that way because that is, you know, how we're set up is to give back to 501c3 organizations. But uh, we have several examples of that, and it's wonderful when those organizations then kind of fly, get their wings, and then are able to give back yeah. as well. Is there anything you want to say about some important events coming up? Sure. I would say just another plug for the competitive grant cycle because it's right now, and we just strongly encourage organizations to, you know, we get calls all the time, you know, how much should we ask for? I'm like, how much do you need, right? And, you know, be bold with those asks, especially this year, because we are turning right around with a large portion, a majority of those funds from the Brown County Music Center will go right back out through our competitive grant cycle. So, you know, that that's the way it was designed. That's what we're doing. So I encourage folks to do that. I would also say just know that our scholarship applications are being reviewed currently, and that is a huge job that that committee does. It's a wonderful thing, and I think it's a lot of folks' favorite activity as it relates to the foundation, but you'll hear about those here soon uh, later on this spring. The one organization, so to your point about the nonprofits that have been helped, our organization for nonprofit excellence, or one, is a committee chaired by one of our board members, Debbie Kelly, that is in its third year and really taking, I think, going from good to great in terms of providing opportunities for nonprofits to grow and learn. So we have quarterly networking events. So if you're a member of a nonprofit or if you just want to find out more, come to one of the networking events. Either they're at Brown County Inn or the Seasons. And we have some afternoon ones. We have some morning ones. Come learn about what opportunities are there for you. We have some classes, Finance 101, just to kind of, you know, help nonprofits and also some grant writing workshops. So all these things are at no cost to nonprofits in our community. And we see just a lot of interaction and goodness that come through those events. Organizations that didn't even know each other existed, typically find each other and find a way or a common thread or some basis for collaboration to move forward. 
That's pretty neat. And so if someone is interested in any of this, what is your website? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Browncountygives.org. And or just call us at the foundation. You'll have a friendly voice in Janice Bobrink, who is just wonderful and knows everyone in the community and will be able to steer you in the right direction. And so, yeah, those would be some of our events. Also, we'll have an annual meeting later this summer and we'll be presenting our strategic plans. Thanks so much for coming in. It's a real pleasure to meet you and have a conversation with you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thanks so much for having me. July day when we said I do the dress you wore the words we spoke should have always been me and you somewhere along the day things fell apart only God knows how much you broke my heart when I dream of you Times were better Dreams of when you said Always be together With pies close tight I'm holding you forever Or never When I dream of you The time has passed Wounds have turned to scars I wondered where I went wrong And how I broke your heart We both moved on We've tried to forget When I close my eyes I start to relive it When I dream of you The times were better Dreams of when we said we'd always be together with eyes close tight. I'm holding you forever, oh forever. When I dream of you, We pause for station identification. You are listening to the Brown County Hour on Volunteer Powered Community Radio, 
WFHB at 100.7 in Brown County, 91.3 and 98.1 in Bloomington, 106.3 at Ellettsville, and online at WFHB.org. Support for WFHB comes from Our Brown County, a magazine for locals and visitors featuring art, entertainment, and county characters since 1995. Printed six times a year and available online. More at OurBrownCounty.com. Segment two begins with Bog McCutcheon from the Brown County Playhouse. Jim Eagleman has an essay about local resources, and we'll hear Gene Fugate perform his song, Ghost Train. This is Chuck Wills with the Brown County Hour, and tonight I am on location at the historic Brown County Playhouse to interview the Director of Programming, Mr. Bob McCutcheon. Hi, Bob. How you doing, Chuck? Fantastic. Thanks for having me over tonight. Hey, thanks for coming. We appreciate the interest. Absolutely. Well, we, we love all things Playhouse in this community, and I think anybody that's been even halfway paying attention over the last year has noticed an increase in activity around this place. Definitely. We brought the Playhouse back to life again. There was a time there where it was a little dormant, a little sleepy, a couple years after COVID, but last year we were able to bring it back up. We upped the acts that we were bringing in. We brought in not just local stuff, but a lot of bands from St. Louis, Cleveland, Chicago, regional acts, in addition to the national acts like John Waite, Mac McAnally, Riders in the Sky. You know, so we had we had a nice mix of everything. The other thing we wanna we wanna say a special thank you to the C V C because one of the things that they did for us was they gave us a grant to buy radio advertising. So now everybody can hear what's going on at the playhouse. Well, that seems to be a key to attracting an audience. If they don't know you're there, they won't come. (laughs) One of the truisms of life. Especially in rock and roll. Yeah. So you just mentioned some big names, Mac McAnally. Mm -hmm. John Waite. John Waite. Those are names that everybody knows. Well, I I had done shows with these gentlemen before. I've, I've been doing this a long time, and I had relationships with with some of their people. When they found out I I had a new place where I was doing business, they were all ready to do business with me again. So, and so just for for context, you're relatively new to Nashville, but you've been around the industry for a little while. Sunshine Promotions brought me to Indianapolis in January of 1980, and I have been in Central Indiana ever since. And as of nine weeks ago, I am now a Brown County resident. Well, congratulations and welcome to town. Thanks. I appreciate it. It's, yeah. it. You know, I've never understood what peace and solitude is, but now I have it. Well, that's great. I hope you enjoy it. With all of these big acts coming into town, you know, we feel like the the stage here in this room is pretty special. Have you gotten any feedback from them on how much they, they enjoy playing here? Yeah. Uh, the best example is the Wembley's Rock Orchestra. We did them here last March. It was their first show of the season, and and that particular show was sold out, and they told me that the energy on the stage that night was so great that they felt like they were levitating, but they feel it. And yeah. when you take 350 people 
all focusing energy in one particular direction. For example, the night Mac McAnally was here, Jimmy Buffett had just passed away a few days before, and I was talking to Mac in the in the dressing room before he went on, and 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 I said, "This is going to be a real tough one for you tonight, isn't it?" And he, and he said, "Yeah." He said, he "said I'm probably going to ball like a baby a few times." And I said, he "said Now, what would Jimmy tell you to do?" And he said, "Jimmy would say, pull up your pants and be an adult, and just do what you know how to do." And Mac came out that night. He was only supposed to play 75 minutes. He played well over two hours. In addition to that. He then came up to the merchandise stand and proceeded to take pictures and sign autographs and everything else for another two hours. So the guy could have been in and out of here in 75 minutes, but instead spent four hours with us that evening. Well, I know this is a very special year for the Playhouse in that it's the 75th anniversary of the place. And I know that you have big plans for upcoming shows. So can you just give us a sampling of who we're going to see this year? Well... First of all, I want to I want to say that I can't tell you the nationals at the moment. I can tell you that I am going to do the best of my ability to bring in seven to eight nationals, and we'll find a lot. I know, for example, Smith and Steele wants to come back again. I mean, they're two of the most prolific songwriters in Nashville. Jeffrey Steele has placed over one thousand songs on albums. Wow! And the, when they were here in September, it was like. Well, this is the number one we wrote for Eric Church. This is the number one we wrote for this guy. This was number, and it was like bang, 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 bang. And to hear the stories behind the songs, I, I'm going to try to find as many of the solo and duo shows because then it becomes even more intimate when it's mm-hmm. the guy and his guitar and he's telling you the story of why he wrote what he wrote. When we did Michael Martin Murphy, that was an excellent example of that. I mean, he had two other musicians with him. But it was a very intimate evening with Michael Martin Murphy. We do have a lot of regional bands. People call them tribute bands. I call them music of bands. We've been very lucky to find, I'd say, the upper crust of that. Like we have a local band out of Columbus called 40 Years of College. I want to continue. That will be a low dose show that we started last year where I give the local bands a chance to come and play on our stage and give them the opportunity to develop a following. Last year, we did this with a band out of Martinsville called Deadline, and they have now built a very solid following in the Playhouse, and they will now be a regular every year, treated like any other above-average regional band. Then we have Chris Collins coming in. He's a John Denver person from Colorado. He was very successful last year. We've got a journey band out of Cleveland called Escape that a lot of people enjoyed. We have a Sticks band coming in. We've got... The Wembley's Rock Orchestra will be here at the end of the month. We have a show coming in the first week of May that played here last year, the Carol King James Taylor story. Now, this show comes to us from London, England. Wow. And we can only buy it when they're over here on three or four week runs. And we they wanted to come back again. And we worked out a date. So they'll be here May 3rd, the James Taylor Carol King. Now, on the 11th of May, we have Lion Altward. I don't know if you know that name, but if you know Channel 59 and you know the morning show at 10 o'clock on Channel 59, he's the co-host. He was also in Straight No Chaser, and now he's got a wife and a couple kids. He really didn't want to live on the road anymore, but there's going to be a lot of music of shows. Uh, Chuck, your string competition will be back. Uh, We're doing another show with Chamber Fest this year in August. Last year, they brought in Flamenco Dancers. I don't know what they're going to bring in this year, but it'll be another type. The plays will still be coming in. 
They were extremely successful for us last year. So we're going to have a little bit of something for everyone. Yeah. Well, Bob, it sounds like a packed calendar of amazing talent this year. And you can always get more information online at browncountyplayhouse.org. Yep, you can. Very good. Well, Bob McCutcheon, thank you so much for having us into the Playhouse tonight. And we look forward to seeing you at a show. Chuck, thanks for the opportunity. I appreciate it. I've spoken here before about the many types of trees we are fortunate to have in this county. And there are many uses of wood for the creative homeowner, if they have time, skills, and patience. A portable sawmill owner can be hired to come to your property and find uses for the logs of wall, oak, walnut, cherry, beech, and maple. And that's what's happened recently as I contacted a local sawmill owner. He volunteers his company that uses native timber for various local projects. It's a hobby, he now calls it. It may be more than a hobby when you see the equipment when he arrives and you know you've made a right decision when you are working with people like him, a gracious volunteer and a serious hobbyist. A huge red oak on our property had to be removed after it came down and too much of a threat to our studio. The heavy logs were transported to a sawmill, also built of native timber. He used a bobcat and a dolly to move the logs and a grappling hook lifted them onto the trailer. You'll hear what project he's got in mind as he loads up. I'll let you know how we use it, he says as he drives off. There's a lot of reference to our vast forest lands here in Brown County when tourist mags and videos talk about this place. It's what brings people here year-round, I believe. We residents could take it all for granted as we camp, hike, hunt, live, and ride through it on horses, ATVs, bikes, or zip lines. We may not even consider it much of an asset. But it is, if you talk to anyone who doesn't live near trees. An apartment dweller might say it's what they miss most. And do house plants on a windowsill still act as a substitute for trees? Maybe. Trees, it's what we have a lot of. The Nature Conservancy oversees the Brown County Hills project area, and it takes this place seriously when you hear their master plan. It's a recommendation for private landowners and public land managers. And it's just that, recommendations for science-based forest management. No mandatory membership or legal binding, it's purely voluntary. This contiguous track of timber, occupying more than six counties in central and southern Indiana, includes several hundreds of thousands of acres. It makes sense when we take care of it, manage it to the best of our professional abilities and assure that it remains healthy over the next many, many centuries, not just for the enjoyment of our tourist base, the hikers, the mushroomers, the bikers, and the campers that come here, but for the natural community that lives here, us, our guests, and of course, the wild critters. A large, full photograph I used at the park for programs shows the state of Indiana taking from a satellite over 400 miles in space. I really like this photograph. This long, narrow state of ours with a meandering southern border along the Ohio shows colors of brown and tan agricultural lands, of course the city of Indianapolis, and a greenish tint to the south. The darkest green color directly below Indianapolis is an unmistakable square, and it's Brown County. Biologists call it a sink when land is used by resident wildlife, as well as migrating birds and animals, very much like a plug is pulled and water drains 
Things flow into this refuge of natural land. Plant communities have established themselves here, and when habitats are left unaltered, unique and sometimes rare animals find a home here. Birds temporarily bivouac here when migrating, an inherently used stopover to rest, refuel, and regroup. The entire park and the nearby Hoosier National Forest has been designated an IBA, an important bird area. Our glacial history here reminds us this is sedimentary sandstone that continues to be carved and shaped, creating deep ravines, the rocky ridges, and wide floodplains. If the green tint of this county as seen from space isn't enough to remind tourists that are drawn here, then ask them to think of this land having tremendous value. It is unique when compared to the counties around it and well worth telling its story of the historic art colony, the preserved and protected conservation areas, and of course, it's a Hoosier beauty spot. So you'd have a tough time convincing me it isn't trees that is our best recognizable attribute. No wonder when you consider the past of Brown County's forest devastating removal, then slow recovery, and now its makeup of both kinds of forest communities, the beech maple and the oak hickory complex. Many diverse habitats are typical of this young stand, though maybe a surprise, a forest of young hardwoods exhibits more diverse habitats, homes and niches, than a mature stand, and surprisingly more than an old growth forest. Why? Well, just look at a forest outside your door or along the road. Many levels, strata they're called, show nooks and crannies in the herbal layer, in the canopy and the understory. And this creates many places for insects, birds and mammals and reptiles to live. An overlapping set of habitat conditions can satisfy a myriad of critters. And insects are by far the most numerous and significant in what role they play. It was conservationist Aldo Leopold who said, We abuse land because we consider it a commodity belonging to us. When we see land as a community to which we all belong, we may begin to use it with love and respect. He was a true land advocate, and Leopold hoped by using a metaphor like loving someone or something, people could perhaps see land viewed in a similar manner and to love and care for it, since we receive so many bountiful gifts. Well, speaking of gifts, it was my donated red oak log at an auction that was used to help purchase a lot for the next Habitat for Humanity house. What great news, I thought, a Brown County tree used to help build a Brown County house for a Brown County family. I couldn't be happier. Jim Eagleman for Nature Ramblings, the Brown County Hour. Late at night when the moon is high I hear a distant whistle and a mournful cry Along the tracks a ghostly refrain Rolling through the darkness that eternal train The misty valleys, forgotten towns the ghost train rolls with the ghostly sound Carrying souls of the lost and undone Whispering secrets on its midnight run That ghost train coming down the line
But the rattle and the chains and a mournful whine The tales from the past, they echo in the air That ghost train is haunting everywhere An engineer, phantom in disguise And guides the train with his hollow eyes Passengers unseen and the voice is low Bound for dust invasions they'll never know That ghost train coming down the line With the rattle and chains and a mourn for wine The tales from the past they echo in the air That ghost train is haunting everywhere In the darkness shadows that dance and sway As the ghost train carries them away Through the darkness it roams and it roams A timeless journey that never comes home That ghost train coming down the line With the rattle, the chains and a mournful whine A tales from the past echo in the air well, that ghost train is haunting everywhere That ghost train coming down the line With the rattle and the chains and a mournful whine A tales from the past that echoes in the air Well, that ghost train is haunting everywhere Well, that ghost train is haunting everywhere Now we pause for station identification. You are listening to the Brown County Hour on Volunteer Powered Community Radio, WFHB, at 100.7 in Brown County, 91.3 and 98.1 in Bloomington, 106.3 at Ellettsville, and online at WFHB.org. Support for the Brown County Hour comes from listeners like you and the support of the Brown County Inn, a family-friendly getaway destination located in Nashville, Indiana, offering locally sourced food, drinks, and live entertainment with banquet space, indoor-outdoor pool, miniature golf, and more. Information and booking available at browncountyinn.com. Our final segment begins with the conversation we had with two local blacksmiths, Andrew Huddleston and Jim Connor. Christina Villani from the Brown County Convention and Visitors Bureau talks about local plans for the eclipse. Dave Seastrom shares a story about the day his new puppy ran free. And we'll close the show with Gene Fugate's song, Never Let You Fall. Well, it's my pleasure to introduce Andrew Huddleston and Jim Connor. They're both in this evening. We're going to be discussing blacksmithing in Brown County, which has a very long history, but almost completely died out and was reborn in the 70s or so. And I think all of us can agree that we credit Jack Brubaker as probably the absolute father who brought that back to life for us. So, all right, gentlemen, let's start talking about blacksmithing. Blacksmithing, I guess, really is a reason I moved, you know, to Brown County was to continue, you know, my blacksmithing work. I was up in northern Indiana, and there wasn't okay. quite the market up there. And uh, 
and I came down and visited Brown County and was like, this is the place I need to be. So, Well, blacksmithing is just one of the many things you do. Right. But but that, it was, I mean, like like I was just discussing, I worked in in steel my whole life. I came from a whole family of iron workers. And so um, I learned to work with steel. My dad taught me to weld when I was nine years old and we had a shop at home. And so, and my mom was an artist. So I had that artist, you know, thing to create all the time. So I just, used the you know the extra steel that he had around and his welding machines and his torches and you know and just would make all kinds of abstract stuff but then we had rivet old rivet forges from ironworking and so i began to heat up stuff and back then when there wasn't the internet so you had to kind of look you know go to the library and and it was hard to find anything on on blacksmithing there really wasn't a lot as far as like the artist part of it you know Right. I mean, for the longest time, it was relegated to horseshoes. Right. And that, and that's just such a tiny fraction of what the real art is. I mean, you go to any major city, especially in the East, and you're going to see classic examples of unbelievable forged ironwork, whether it's in the gates or the fences or the ornaments in the house itself, the handrails. So, Andrew, you, you are also a multi-talented artist that does a variety of things. You're probably um, mostly engaged in pottery these days, but I've known you as a jeweler and a blacksmith and uh, a fabricator of all things metal. And uh, so what was your introduction? Who lured you in? Was it Jack? Uh, it was uh, knowing the guys around here, knowing Jason Nickel and knowing that he worked at Jack's and then the the whole like social scene with those Smiths, you know, and going out to Goat Hill and then eventually the history of what was happening here and what had happened here, you know, came to me, it's coming to me, you know, today, like I'm, yeah. I'm pulling people's ear for what happened when. Well, I remember Goat Hill uh, and Jack's Forge there uh, that at that time was attached to the house, which I think is primarily how they kept warm in the winter. Yep. And then he and his then wife created the Brown County Craft Guild Gallery, which I was uh, one of the first members of. Now, Jack was remarkable, and he talked about going to expositions that the demonstrators were all men in their 80s and 90s, mm -hmm. that there had been a two- or three-generation gap between the blacksmith artists who had carried on the tradition and the new generation of which Jack was a young member at that time. It was really just on the comebacks. So like the Industrial Revolution had kind of, like you say, it kind of lived in horseshoeing for a uh -huh. while. Like that was about it. You know, there wasn't that much smithing. Alex Beeler wrote this book. He was a Coca-Cola executive in the 50s. And he kind of like was feeling it out. He was like a laboratory for how to do this thing and bring it back to life. Everybody had seen anvils and all these tools laying around, didn't know what to do with them. You know, they didn't and now they them. fight like dogs for them. And now they're, you know, five yeah. bucks a pound. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, there was a period of time when when blacksmithing equipment was, a, I mean, you could buy an, an anvil for $10. I mean, nobody, right. they were just, nobody wanted them. And then, then in the resurgence in the 70s, when it was kind of the back, the back to land, you know, everybody got back into some kind of craft and, and the blacksmithing was one of the crafts that came back along with the pottery and the weaving and the... the That's right. 
No, in fact, I, I, I remember reading that pottery itself almost went extinct. That because of the Industrial Re Revolution, the slip molding and all of that, it was like nobody could make a living as a potter, so there were no potters. Right. Is there an event or something that's coming up that people can appreciate the kind of work that you guys do, or we just have to find you at craft fairs? <laughs> I'm doing fairs, you know, um, all over Indiana um, and in Ohio and a few other states uh, in pottery. But, like, hopefully we're going to have some kind of do when we get the opening at the yeah. Art Guild. Oh, okay. So you've got an event coming up at the Art Guild? Well, we're doing a bunch. There's a lot of iron work because J Jack did a lot of the work there at the Guild when they did the remodel. Same thing. Bob Adair built the door. And Jack Miller, did the yeah. thing. And now they're doing a big renovation there. And the architect wanted more iron work in there kind of period to kind of match Jack's stuff and and... Well, kind of and, uh, another classic example of Jack's work is our own public library. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that handrail is uh, yeah, that's, an amazing testament. Yeah, that's one of the most amazing pieces of ironwork anywhere. Well, I'm so glad this is a thriving community and practice. And, you know, um, are you seeing young people taking this up? Definitely around the area. Yeah, there's definitely some young people interested in it that I've got. Unfortunately, most 80% of them want to get into nothing more than knife making, uh, you know, right. knife blacksmithing. There's, right. right. There's such a resurgence of knife making in this country that everybody, that's all they want to make is knives, which is fine. I mean, that's a beautiful craft, but it, it's not the art stuff that can be done, you know, with the ironwork. You know, Jack got a banner started. They started here. And a banner stands for? Uh, Artist Blacksmith Association of North America. Right. And that's on fire. That's got huge membership, you know, and events, you know, all over the country. So, Abana has a website and probably a Facebook page as well. Yeah. So, I think it's just Abana. So, if, if you have an interest in this work, that is a great place, a great resource to check it out. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, I wish we could talk all night, and I really appreciate your coming in. So thank you very much. Thanks. Thank you. I'm here tonight with Christina Villani from the Convention Visitors Bureau. And tell me your title and what you do there. Yeah, so I'm the marketing director at the Visitors Bureau, and we work with our industry to promote our destination and bring visitors here to visit. Yes, and one of the reasons we invite you here is we want to hear about the eclipse happenings that will be April 8th of this year. Yes, yeah. So we've been working closely with emergency management as well as town and county to make sure that we're planning a safe environment for all of our visitors, as well as coordinating with all of our businesses to make sure that events are posted on our website as well as our social media. So you guys can go to browncounty.com. We have an Eclipse landing page. We also have a business resource page. In the business resource page, businesses can learn more about the Eclipse and how to plan for it. And then on the Eclipse page, visitors and residents can look and prepare themselves and see what they want to do that day. So are they bringing in food trucks and portalettes and To my understanding, town and some businesses are working on bringing porta potties, food trucks, 
well, I think uh, the Y is going to be closed, the local park, the schools. Are you advising locals to stay home or what? (laughs) We actually want to promote safety and excitement for the eclipse, not fear. So I've created a residence do's and don'ts that is actually on our website. So if you go to our eclipse page, there'll be a safe but no fear blog which outlines things to worry about, things to maybe be more informed about. If you are expecting to leave your house, we are suggesting maybe that you stay home just because there will be a lot of people here and so you may not get home as quickly as you would like. Yeah, the traffic could be a real issue. So part of the reason why the Y and Salt Creek Trail is closed off is because We're trying to create emergency access. In case there's an emergency, our personnel can get there. We're all working together to try to have an event that is nice for our residents and a good experience for our visitors. So what happens if it's cloudy and rainy? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that it will still get dark, but we anticipate people coming anyway. Brown County has a lot to offer despite the weather. And we are trying to work with businesses to have events that are still bring people here, right? So the Music Center is having four events that week starting that Thursday before all the way to the next week after the eclipse. So there will be things to do. And maybe it'll be a little less hectic, we hope, right? (laughs) Yeah. Do we have enough places for people to stay? I would hope so. I know that most of our accommodations are booked. I know that there are some primitive camping spots that are still open. So if you guys want to come and stay in Brown County, you bring Mm. your tent. Okay. Can you give us that website again? Yeah, it's browncounty.com. Okay. Well, thank you for coming in. Are you going to be here viewing the eclipse? I'll be working. (laughs) Indoors, huh? No, I'll I'll come out to see it. If you guys are needing eclipse glasses, the visitor center is providing them for free. So it's two per household. Oh, okay. Thank you, Christina. You're welcome. There are lots of ways to acquire a furry family member. For many years, we had a line of dogs that descended from the first dog we brought to the property when we moved here 35 years ago. Eventually, we took the whole lot of them to Doc Brasters for the fix, and from then on, all of our dogs have come from shelters. Shelter dogs are a wild card, but all of them have made wonderful companions. We live inside of Yellowwood Forest, and in the beginning, our dogs were free to run. That changed when the traffic increased and we lost one of our dogs to the road. Wanting to offer the dogs as much freedom as possible, we chose to install an invisible fence that allows them five acres or so where they can run and play. In order to make the system work, the dogs have to undergo at least 10 days of training. Our beloved dog, Wilson, passed away last August. And a few months later, we began looking for a companion for our older dog, Max. He was given the final say, and in the process of finding a new dog, we visited four animal shelters that included the same number of interviews. We found our newest family member, Molly, at the animal shelter in Owen County. When Max met Molly, the two of them hit it off right away, 
and we brought her home on a very cold day this past January. At six months old, she wasn't exactly a puppy, but due to her semi-feral beginnings, she wasn't as far along as she should be for her age. Integrating a new puppy into a household begins with training. The initial challenge was teaching our little girl about doing her business outside and not on the floors of our house. She also learned to escape from her crate the first time we left her alone, and she had a couple of hours to rampage through the house committing mayhem. Whenever something like this or her having an accident in the house happens, it's our fault for not paying attention. All along, our goal has been to make her feel at home, refine her bathroom habits, and complete her invisible fence training so she could run with her companion, Max. The invisible fence training began after Molly was here for six weeks. Once a day, Molly and I walked the line so she would understand where her boundaries are. When she was in training, the shock collar had a plastic cap on the probe so she could hear the beeping sound but not receive the shock. Day after day, she and I made the rounds as I walked her to the wire and praised her as I pulled her back when she heard the beep. Graduation day has been on the horizon, and as chief trainer and the responsible human, I had all of the usual concern that any parent would have. For almost two weeks, Molly and I have been out hitting the trail to make sure that she knows her boundaries. No matter how much training she receives, the moment of release is akin to watching your children drive away on their own for the first time, hoping that they paid attention during driver's ed. Usually the training lasts 10 days, but Becky wanted to be here for the big day, so I added three additional days. This was good for Molly, and it allowed Becky to be there when the moment of release arrived. On a very warm day towards the end of February, Max, Becky, Molly, and I walked to the line. Her shock collar was fully activated as I led her to the wire. When we were a few feet short, I had her sit, whispered good luck, kissed her on the head, and let her off the lead. When she approached the wire on her own, she received a jolt of electricity, cried out, and ran back into our comforting arms. And then something amazing happened. She realized that she was free and for the first time in her life she could run to her heart's content. Becky and I stood back like the proud parents that we are, watched as she gathered speed and ran in big circles back and forth across the field. Her joy was overwhelming, and in her excitement she leaped over Max several times, inviting him to join her. The two of them ran and played until she wore herself out, and then she happily followed us into the house where both dogs were given treats. It's been a lot of work, but the day has finally arrived when Molly can run free. This is Dave Seastrom. See you next time. In a world filled with darkness, you're my guide and light. Through all the storms we face, I'll be there by your side When life gets tough And I see you stumbling along the way I promise to catch you Never let you fall away I never let you fall, my love Be a steady ground Through every twist and turn In my arms you will be found To 
together we'll soar above it all Forever be entwined Promise this my girl And never be left behind Through highs and lows We'll embrace every season Our love will be the shelter Our hearts the reason Oh and doubt Tries to whisper, casting shadows in your mind Be your strength, the one you can always find I'll never let you fall in love I'll Be a steady ground Through every twist and turn In my arms you will be found Together we'll soar above it all Forever be entwined I promise this my girl Never be left behind So let the world try to break us We'll rise above it all In each other's arms we'll face it And never fear the fall Never let you fall, my love Be a steady ground Through every twist and turn In my arms you will be found Together we'll soar above it all Forever be entwined Promise this my girl Never be left behind I Promise this my girl Never be left behind Thanks for tuning in to episode 144 of the Brown County Hour. This show was recorded in our studio at the History Center here in downtown Nashville and brought to you the first Sunday of every month at 9 a.m. and the following Wednesday at 6 p.m. and anytime online. Be sure to look for us on your favorite streaming services. The Brown County Hour is brought to you by a diverse group of folks who believe, now more than ever, the world is for everyone. This show was produced by Chuck Wills, Pam Rader, Rick Fettig, Vera Grubbs, Lucy Schultz, Sarah Lytle, Jim Lemon, and Dave Seastrup. We would also like to thank Slats Klug for our theme music. You have been listening to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from deep in the woods of Brown County, Indiana. Celebrating the arts, culture, and nature that make this such a unique community. Visit us online at browncountyhour.com. The Brown County Hour is a production of WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported community radio for South Central Indiana. Take me back, back to my home, Brown County. Oh